welcome. Welcome to The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, the red-letter basics. By examining the Word of God, focusing on the Book of Acts Church, we see how the early church served the Lord. That way we can follow their example. By examining them and their committed service to the kingdom of God, we see what works so that we can apply it, because our desire has always been to find and restore the priesthood of the believer and regain the world-shaking influence that the early church had. By digging deeper into Scripture, not watering it down, we find the church the Lord intended and not the one that man created because the church age is not over until the Holy Spirit comes back to get us out of here. The church age is on. And what happened in the upper room is as much for today as it was on the day of Pentecost. If you know that, if you want more in your spiritual walk with Yeshua, with Jesus, and you're welcome to join us on this journey as we get back to get back to basics. If you have any questions, go to firefalltalkradio.com, use the contact button. Or email us at the porch lowercase one word at firefalltalkradio.com. If you would like to support what we do here, go to the new updated firefalltalkradio.com page. Go all the way down to the bottom. There'll be multiple ways to do so. If you need more information, just reach out to us. We'll be glad to answer any questions. We appreciate your support and encouragement. Welcome to all of our listeners from the various streaming platforms where I hope that you are subscribed and you know when a new session of The Porch or some other show on Firefall Talk Radio goes up. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of The Porch. If you need prayer or you want to pray for others in The Porch community, let us know. We will connect you. We care about you. You are not alone. You can find us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, X, which used to be Twitter. There are links on the main page for that and every place we stream. Asking for prayer, not just for my health. As you can see, I'm still dealing with whatever's going on, but praise God, I'm here and able to talk to you, and we can do this. But prayer for recent, recent I don't know what that is, recent expenses, things that are hovering overhead and needs that Firefall has. If you need more information, just let us know. Changes are happening here at FDR. FTR, not FDR. That's something completely different. FTR, Firefall Talk Radio. There are more to come. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you think about the new images, the new banners, the new logos, the website. Give us some feedback. We will apply it. We will listen. Start out with praise reports and prayer requests. Always, always, always. I praise him for his love, his grace, his mercy, and my salvation that came out of that love, grace, and mercy. Praise him for my home, for my wife, my family, everything he gave back to me that I threw away. For the extended family that came out of it, daughter-in-laws, grandson, furry kids, everything I have from 1988 on, (coughs) excuse me, has come from him. I praise him for this ministry that he allows me to work for him and with him. I praise him for you, for the dreams and the visions and the things I get to see and hear in prayer and for the healing virtues that I know are there and I know that whatever happens, he allows it to happen. In this case, yes, there's a a new flu bug going around and I'm building up my immunity to it. When I'm done, I'll be good. Usually happens about once a year around this time during the weather change and hasn't really happened for about four or five years. So here we are. You know what? Let's just praise him for everything. You open your eyes, praise the Lord. Your heart beats, praise the Lord. You're breathing, praise the Lord. No matter what it is, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise him for being a renewed spirit man. Praise him for those signs I'm seeing blaring that, hey, Coming soon, coming soon, he's coming back. Creation's groaning for the return of the king, for the coming kingdom in the new Jerusalem. Well, let's pray. 
Pray for Israel. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Psalm 126, verses 6 through 8. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls, prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brethren and companions, I will now say peace be within you. I pray for the remaining hostages, the 132 that are still there, the 20 bodies that Hamas refuses to return, as well as all the people in Gaza suffering because of the actions and the control of Hamas. Pray for the fatherless and the widows, the innocents, the victims of injustice, the martyrs, those that have been wronged in this fallen world. Pray for them. Pray for divine wholeness, health, and healing in me and my wife, my family, and each and every one of you. Getting back to our divine design. Anyone else dealing with anything right now, I pray in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach that you are healed, that you are whole, that whatever it is, natural or supernatural, be gone in Yeshua's name. Pray for protection. We really need his protection, his covering. We need him to be a shield about us, the glory and the lifter of our head. For the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the fire within us to wake up the remnant, to inspire us to rise up, to answer this call to action. That's what 2024 is. It's a call to action. I pray that those that have been blessed would be a blessing so that we can be a blessing. Our combined prayers put entire demonic armies to flight. Holy Spirit-filled, dunamis-powered prayers, focused, laser-like power of the Holy Spirit. It's time for us to come into agreement, to be more unified, aggressive in our effort against the schemes of the fallen, and doing it in the confidence, purpose, and power in Jesus' name. That Psalm 91 text protection I talk about, and I think I'm going to teach on it again. It's been many years since I have. It offers us the various names of God and what goes with it and the fact that he has given his angels charge over us so that we don't even dash our foot against a stone, that the plague shall not come near our dwelling. This supernaturally active, demonic, and dangerous time is also filled with a supernaturally active, heavenly time. Pray for edification, encouragement, inspiration, so that we can move forward to do what needs to be done to spread the knowledge of God and serve the kingdom of God, to operate efficiently in the calling, his calling, exposing the enemy, setting the captives free, seeking the lost, helping the dying, helping those in bondage, and shining the light of the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Father, we come to you first. Abba, Father, Papa, God, Daddy. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your favor and everything that you're doing for us and with us and in us. Thank you for loving us and sending Yeshua to pay our debts so that we could come home to you and that you could get out of that veil. You ripped it in half, top to bottom, so that you could be with your children again. Thank you, Lord, for doing that, for shedding your blood, for paying our debts, for taking our sins upon you. By your stripes, we were healed. We thank you for that. We thank you for all that you're doing and in sending back the Holy Spirit to walk with us, to teach us and to guide us and inspire us. Thank you for this time. We ask you to bless this technology. And Holy Spirit, have your way. Do whatever it is you want to do this night in Yeshua's name. Amen. Let's
persons are proprietary information except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. Famous preacher D.L. Moody said, We are told to let our light shine. And if it does, we won't need to tell anybody it does. Lighthouses don't fire cannons to call attention to their shining. They just shine. Get your Bibles open. Be ready to take notes. Exodus twenty four seventeen. The sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. From everywhere in the camp, they could see the glory of the Lord on that mountaintop. No matter where they were, they could see it. See, in the wilderness, the glory of God looked like a consuming fire. It was there. It assured them of his presence. Isaiah 60, starting verse 1. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. His glory is seen upon you. The prophet Isaiah, his name in Hebrew is Yeshayahu, which means salvation of Yah. How they got Isaiah out of Yeshayahu, I don't know. I think maybe it got wet and they put it in the dryer in the wrong setting and it shrunk. But anyway, Isaiah saw a time when Israel would arise out of her darkness and shine the glory of God. And the Gentiles would be drawn to it and come to her light. That they would come to Jerusalem to worship. What he saw was Yeshua. Because that prophecy was fulfilled by Yeshua in Jerusalem on Pentecost. Go with me to Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Ruach HaKadosh, the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It didn't just fill the upper room. It filled the whole house. It shook that house that everyone felt it inside and out. The fire of the Lord filled them for service and sanctification. That same fire now fills us. John the Baptist said in Matthew 3.11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he, capital H, who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit and fire. There it is again, the fire of the Lord. The same glory that they saw in the wilderness has been given to us to shine in the wilderness of this world. The fire of the Lord is immersed into us so that we can shine his glory to others. 2 Corinthians 3.18, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as the Spirit of the Lord, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. I'm sorry. You know, the thing about fires, bad wood doesn't burn well, if at all. Bad wood gives off smoke and even can give off toxins. We need to be the good wood. We need to be something that the the Holy Spirit fire can burn. And if you have anything in you that's not of him, 
then the Holy Spirit can burn it out of you. Just ask him. But to reflect the light that the world needs to see, we need to be untarnished. We need to be clean. We need to be sanctified. First Peter 3.15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. If you shine hope, if you show hope, if you show that you're not afraid, if you don't get caught up in watching the the mainstream media's propaganda and get caught up in the fear-mongering, I don't, I'm not saying don't pay attention at all because sometimes those the things they say has re- relevant information. But don't get so consumed by it that that's all you think about. But you need to be able to tell people why you're not afraid. You need to be able to tell people why you have hope. Your hope is in the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. That word sanctification, the Holman Bible Dictionary says, is the process of being made holy, resulting in a changed lifestyle for the believer. The English word sanctification comes from the Latin word sanctificatio, meaning the act or process of making holy, for being, being consecrated. In the Greek, the New Testament word is hagiasmos, holy, consecration, sanctification. It means that you have been set apart, that you're not like the world, that the old you and the new you are completely different. The new you is cleaner, brighter, that you glow. Not like you glow in the dark, like you got radiation. No, that's not what I mean. But you know what? Spiritually, I asked for that. I want to glow in the spirit. I want to leave scorch marks everywhere I walk. I want that power of the Holy Spirit to be so in me that it just flows out of me. But it means, sanctification means to separate ourselves from this profane, wicked world for a sacred purpose. See, your life is no longer yours. He bought it. He paid for it with his blood. 2024, I talked about in those YouTube videos, and as soon as I feel up to it, I'm going to keep making more. 2024 is a time of increasing darkness, but that means we get to shine brighter. And when things get bad, people want to have hope. That's what you can offer them. Oh, Rich, I can't do what you do. I can't memorize scripture. I can't say that. I can't fight, you know, the enemy or do. No, no, no. But you can offer them hope. You can tell them about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You can tell them about what he's done in your life. Everyone, no matter who they are, wants to be hopeful, not hopeless. And they need help. Psalm 119.74, those who fear you will be glad when they see me, because I have hoped in your word. Jeremiah 17.7, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, and whose hope is the Lord. When things get dark, they want to know that there is or that there will be light. If you've ever been in a situation where the power goes out, somebody goes and gets the batteries. For the flashlights, somebody goes and gets the flashlights. Somebody goes and gets the battery-operated lamps. Maybe they'll light a candle. But when it gets dark, people want somebody to bring light. Isaiah 9, 2, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. I mean, if you think about that, if you're sitting in the land of the shadow of death, you're going to want somebody to shine a light on you, help you get out of there. That prophecy is quoted in Matthew 4, 13 through 16. And after leaving Nazareth, he being Yeshua came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the regions of Zebulon and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet Yeshayahu, Isaiah, saying, 
the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. October 9, 1988, I was sitting in the shadow of death. I was sitting in darkness. And that morning, about 11.44, 42, somewhere before that mid, since it hit that 11.45, when I made him Lord of, the, of my life, the light shined on me. And as I've mentioned so much so, everybody in the sanctuary saw it. I was no longer in darkness. I was no longer in the shadow of death, in the valley of the shadow of death. Isaiah 9, verses 3 through 7. You have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of the harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressors in the day of Midian. For every warrior's sandal from the noisy battle and garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and fuel of fire. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And he did. On the cross, from the empty tomb, and in the upper room. He is as good as his word, but so must we be as good as his word. Matthew 5, starting verse 14, the Lord said, You are the light of the world, and a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your light shine. And he's not talking about physical light as in Genesis 1 when he said, let there was light and there was light and he divided the light from the darkness. He called the the light day and the darkness he called night. So evening and morning were the first day. Not that kind of physical. I'm talking about spiritual light. But you know what's interesting? If you look further in Genesis 1 starting verse 16, then God made two great lights, the great light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light to the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. One ruled the day, the other ruled the night. See, we understand that concept of light and darkness from a spiritual perspective, but you know, I'm, I'm going to give you a way out here. You don't have to light all of the world, but you do have to light your part. I mean, if you think about it, if, if I have only one candle to burn, and it's dark, and I, and I light that candle, guess what? Darkness is not anywhere near that candle is. And if I have but one candle of life, one candle of his glory to burn, I'd rather burn it out where people are dying in darkness than in a land that is flooded with light. It means we need to get out of the sanctuaries. We need to get out of our comfort zones. We need to get out where people need to see his light and see his glory and hear his name and know that he loves them so much. And the best argument, the best way to show that we're believers and followers in Yeshua and Jesus is a life that is consistent with him and his teachings. If it doesn't line up with him or his teachings, it's worthless. And that silent eloquence of holiness is, is 
it's something to be admired and desired. You know, somebody built the lighthouse and it never shined a beacon. It would be a danger to the ships. They would break themselves up on a rock. So it's not merely just what we say or what we do. It's it's who we are that matters. Our witness that is convincing. We shine his light out into the world. And the greatest thing about all of this, without realizing it, is our unconscious influence on others. People are watching you whether you think so or not. We are always carrying his glory with us, 2 Corinthians 4, starting verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of Adonai Yeshua, Lord Jesus, that the life of Yeshua may also be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Yeshua also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. That word manifest means to be brilliantly seen. Brilliantly seen. And we accomplish more by what we radiate than what we say, by our exhortations, by God making us glow as believers in Yeshua. That is so important and so easy to mess up. So easy to ruin. But that's what the Lord, the light of the Lord does for us when he enters our hearts. We become bright, luminous, and other people find their way to God through the light we shed. This means we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And to do that, we must be born again. It's not natural. It doesn't happen naturally. Born from above, born from one who is light. See, all other beings are distinguished by the shadow that they reflect. But he's distinguished by his light because there is no shadow or variation or turning in him. Helen Keller said, God is the light in my darkness, the voice in my silence. It's amazing how when people lose something like their sight or their hearing or their ability to walk or whatever, they become so much more cognizant of their dependence upon him. And I'm not saying that you should desire that or that that would happen to you, I pray that it wouldn't. I pray that you'd come to your senses spiritually before then because he is light. Everything about him is light. John 3, verses 20 to 21. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. See, darkness, if you think about it as man's point of view, living according to the flesh, light is God's point of view, living according to his spirit. And this thing about darkness, avoiding the light, it reminds me of growing up in New York and being in apartments or apartment buildings and you turn the lights on and the roaches run and they run and hide. They want to get out of the light. They don't want to be seen. That's the enemy. We see what John says in John 1, starting verse 1. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. If you ever question who was Jesus before, that's who he was. 
God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought life, backing up, and his life, L-I-F-E, brought light, L-I-G-H-T, to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Nope, can't put it out. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. In many ways, we're a lot like John the Baptist, just less hairy and not eating locusts out in the wilderness. But we're telling others about the light. We're telling others about this light that exposes the darkness. And the closer one gets to the light, and here's the reason people avoid it, the more the imperfections show. The closer you get to him, the more you see more of you and what you don't want to be there anymore. I know I do. I know I did. The closer I got to him, the more I saw of me, the less I liked. But I knew, I knew I didn't have to be that way. I knew that I could be healed. That's what the convicting presence of the Holy Spirit does. Because darkness also signifies judgment. John three sixteen. the judgment is based, uh, 3.19, I'm sorry. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. And all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so that others can see that they are doing what God wants. The battle between light and darkness has already been won. But the problem is, and I said this last week, and I said it in the videos I posted, if the church had done its job the way it was supposed to do its job, the enemy would not have been able to do theirs. But we've turned down the light. Oh, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to step on anybody's toes. I want them to just be loved. No. You need to get them saved, healed, and delivered, and all that other stuff will happen. Conviction is going to convince them that they need the Lord. They need salvation. Because if not, they are subject to condemnation and judgment. Anybody who does not make him Lord of their life will be found guilty because they made the wrong choice. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him will have everlasting life. But when they say, no, I don't want that, they have condemned themselves. And in a world that is perverse and corrupt and filled with sin, that's the only outcome. But there is an option. There is a choice. Tell them about Yeshua. Give them your testimony. Then they can either receive salvation or reject it. But they'll never be able to say, no one told me. Because the light has come. Yeshua, the son of righteousness, the fountain of light and life, has diffused his luminous influence, if you will, everywhere giving all mankind a clear and full revelation of God's will and God's love for them. Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, the light of the world, 
because there is a conflict between light and darkness, good and evil. And evil is darkness, shutting out every opportunity for people to see or know good. Our Heavenly Father, our Abba, through His Son, is the source of all light. It exposes all evil for what it is. But His grace, which is still amazing, allows us to come out of that darkness into the light, and then we become reflectors of his glory, exposing the evil in the world around us and pointing the way to God, beacons in a storm so the ship doesn't crash. And the only way they get to see that light is through us. It's not in a building. It's not in a denomination. It's not in anything but us. What did he say? You are the light of the world. He has chosen us to be his instruments, his reflection to illuminate and open the minds of mankind to to say, here, come this way. Come out of the darkness. It's this way. You know, when he said that we are the light of the world, Ner Olam in Hebrew was a title applied only to the most eminent rabbis, but he transferred the title to his disciples and to those of us that followed, meaning we are the means of diffusing the light of light. Light of life throughout the universe. I don't know if you grasp that. I mean, I, I think about it because I came out of darkness. I came out of deep, deep demonic darkness. So I understand the concept. I understand the powers that come out and play at night. If you don't, let's go to Hollywood and I'll take you to some places. We'll just stand there and watch the sun come down. And you may not be able to see what I can see, but you'll feel it. You'll know it doesn't feel right. And if you could see what I could see, then you better wear some Depends. Because it's bad. But see, God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone would believe his testimony. John wasn't the light just like we're not the light, but it's in us and we shine it. We don't create it. He did. We are a witness to tell the world, hey, this is the true light. He came into the world he created. But you know what? The world didn't recognize him. His own people rejected him. But all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God, to go back to being what we were supposed to be from the garden, reborn, not physical yet, but spiritual. Again, inside out. The inside gets done and the outside happens too. Ephesians 5, 8, 9, verses 8 and 9. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of the light. For this light within you produces only what is good, right, and true. You were once a darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Live as those who are native-born to the light. For the fruit, the effect, the result of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Trying to learn by experience what is pleasing to God and letting your lifestyles be examples of what is most acceptable to Him. Your behavior, expressing your gratitude to God for salvation. Which means what? You do not participate in the worthless, unproductive deeds of darkness, but instead expose them by exemplifying personal integrity, moral courage, godly character. Or it's disgraceful even to mention the things that such people practice in secret or get reality shows for. 
But all the things become visible when they are exposed by the light of God's precepts, for it is light that makes everything visible. You understand why the world doesn't want this. You understand why Hollywood doesn't want this. You understand why the media doesn't want this. That if you go on a news show or you get interviewed and they know that you're a believer, they'll warn you not to talk about Jesus. See, I learned, having been sucked into a situation outside of my career in the entertainment industry, that when I gave interviews or I went on any talk shows, I would insert the Lord's name or scripture or word or whatever in the middle of my soundbite so that for them to take it out, they'd have to take everything out, which means there'd be no interview and there'd be somebody there not saying anything, so they'd have to leave it alone. And they, after a while, they knew it was coming, and I kind of became known for it, so they were prepared for it. And, and you know, it's just dawned on me. Nobody ever came to me and said, um, don't do that. Because I was going to shine. I was going to let people know who saved me, who gave me back my family, who set me free. The Lord said, a city that is set on a hill is seen from everywhere by everyone. And if you think about it, I said the glory of the Lord on, the, on Mount Sinai could be seen throughout the camp. When he was up on the hill, Golgotha, part of the process of crucifixion was the public embarrassment that went with it. Everyone could see him from anywhere in the city at that moment. We are like him. We're set on a hill so that everyone can see us, so that we can let our light so shine before men that what? They see our good works. They see what we do. They see our actions and glorify our Father in heaven, our Abba Father. They know who your dad is, not by what you say, but by what you do. That's our purpose in everything, in all of our actions, is to glorify Abba. See, the disciples from the book of Acts on, their good deeds, their their actions profoundly, positively affected the world around us, around them, so much so that they shook that world to the glory of God, to the glory of the Lord. That's why the enemy had to seep in slowly, drip by drip by drip, until we got almost 300 years later, Council of Nicaea. And he pulled the switch and took over. But it took him that long to figure out how to do it. The thing about light is it's always going to escape. You can't box it. Oh, you can you can block it for a little while, but it's gonna get out. But we should always live by the admonition and the warning. Do nothing that would jeopardize the positive impact as being a light of the world. That's not just an obligation, it's a responsibility to be a witness of your faith in him, to be a personal example and manifesting his light by our testimony and actions. And I can't tell you how many times I have failed in a conflict or in a problem with a, uh, you know, you get emotional and you get angry and what you're saying may be true, but the way you're saying it is a poor witness. And more often than not, I've got to apologize when I'm done for ruining my witness that that is not a reflection of him. It's me giving into my frustration over the moment. Because the Holy Spirit's still in me, the same spirit that raised him from the dead. And I know that I'm not supposed to allow that to happen. I know I'm supposed to shine this light that makes people want to be or to know why I'm different. 
And that's not a given. It's something we have to concentrate on. It's something we have to think about. You have to get up in the morning and you've got to pray and you've got to praise and uh, you know whatever it is that helps you shine that light. Don't just run out there and go to work or, or do whatever you do and think, well, I'll catch up. Uh, the enemy's going to get you. And just as he set the sun up in the firmaments of the heavens and to shine its light and its heat to every inhabitant on the earth, if you if you block that, that sun, we lose that. If you put a lamp and you hide it, what good is that? We, as believers and followers of Yeshua, and especially those of us that preach or teach, we need to diffuse that fragrance of who he is. We need to emanate the light of heavenly knowledge and the divine love that goes with it to everybody we come in contact with. Because, interestingly enough, scientifically, light and heat expands outward from its source unless it's blocked or hindered. And we can blame the enemy for that, but more often than not, it's us. Because he said what? That they may see your good works. It's not just sufficient enough to shine. We must walk in the light. We must do something with it. Our conduct should be a perpetual commitment and comment on what we believe. It should be a constant example of its power it's truth and our faith. And remember, no matter who you are, your light is needed. You know, in the Alps in Switzerland, there's a small, obscure village with a castle and a church built into that castle of rough-hewn stone. Worn, you reach, reach it by climbing these worn steps up the mountainside. And the interesting thing about this church it does not have a light system, nor has it ever had one. So one time this traveler heard the church bells ringing and saw, saw people coming out onto the narrow streets, and every one of them had this quaint little bronze lamp filled with oil and a wick that was lit. And so she went up to one of the worshipers and said, Hey, I'm a stranger here. I don't understand. Will you explain to me why you carry a lamp to church? And the woman said, oh, why, yes, I'd be happy to. Years ago, a duke lived in that castle. He built the church, endowed it, and asked that each worshiper bring its own lamp, their own lamp. And the traveler replied, I should think that would keep folks from attending the evening services if they have always have to carry a lamp. And the woman said, oh, no, no, it works just the other way around. It's called the Church of the Lighted Lamps. Everyone that goes makes it a little brighter. And when anybody is tempted to stay at home or go somewhere else, he just remembers that that dear old church needs everybody's lamp. And if your lamp isn't there, it's so much less light. Your light is needed. No matter how small you think it is, no matter how insignificant you think it is, your light is needed. Robert Alden was a minister in the late 1800s, early 1900s. Actually, he's a real character in the long Laura Ingalls' little house on the prairie. He said this, There's not enough darkness in all the world to put out the light of even one small candle. See, even if you think you're a small candle or a small lamp or a small light, Darkness can't stop it. Oh, we want to be we want to be glamorous. We want to be powerful. We want to be famous. We want to be these bright lamps that you see on the internet. Light your yard, light the universe, see other planets. You know, the you've seen the ads, how white and bright they are. Of course they're they are powerful, but they're not as powerful as the pictures. But the point is, and you go out in the backyard. And you shine it, your whole yard lights up. Everybody wants to be like that. 
But the truth is, most of us are pen lights. Most of us are just little handheld lights. But even those in the middle of darkness makes a difference. Because if you don't shine, people can't see. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4 says, For the God of this world has blinded the unbelievers' minds that they should not discern the truth, preventing them from seeing the illuminating light of the gospel of the glory of Messiah, who is the image and likeness of God. Jumping down to verse 6, For God who said, Let light shine out of the darkness, has shone in our hearts so as to burn forth, to beam forth, the light for the illumination of the knowledge of the majesty and majesty and glory of God as it is manifest in the person and is revealed in the face of Jesus the Messiah. However, we possess this treasure, this divine light of the gospel and frail human vessels of earth, that the grandeur and exceeding greatness of the power may be shown to be from God and not from ourselves. See, don't desire adulation or fame or fortune or having your own brand or any of those things. Just be a light, a light of the truth, a light of your story, a light of his glory. Because the God of this world fights against that, and he fights against the change that the good news, the gospel brings to people's hearts and to their minds. Oh, they don't care if you... If you sing a song, I'm telling you right now, listen to me. Oh, they don't care if you sing an anointed song. They don't care if you you do these great, you create great content. They don't care about that. They really don't. But you know what they do care about? Is you shining his light. You telling the truth. You personally setting the captives free by getting them saved, healed, and delivered. Because... If you, who have clear worldly eyes, don't do that, then they'll still have dull spiritual ones. And they will live in darkness. And most of them think that they they have not made that choice, but they have. Ephesians 2, 2, And once you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, Once you're told the truth, once you're told what real light is, you'll never be the same. I know somebody used this example once. That lamp in your room, if if I told you your whole life, that's the sun, and you never saw anything else, you'd believe that was the sun until you went outside and said, whoa, what is that up there? That's the sun? See, we, we we don't get it. We think... We don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to hurt anybody. We don't want to be known as a Bible thumper. I don't care what I'm known as. What I do care is that I shine his light and I tell his story, my story, from what he did for me. Because I remember what I was like. The gospel is hidden from some people because they willfully closed their eyes. But the convicting presence of the Holy Spirit given to us on the day of Pentecost, what does it do? He said in John 14, 15, 16, that one of the things the Spirit does is bring righteousness and conviction of sin. The heart of anyone who hears the gospel which is veiled has a choice to accept or reject it. And if they reject it, they're lost and fully under the power of sin and Hasatan and the fallen. They're fully immersed in the kingdom of darkness, and we know that there are people like that. We see them. We know them personally. They have rejected the light and have celebrated the darkness and what they do in the darkness, and they've refused to hear the gospel. Well, then they are subject to the judgment of Satan and his angels, and that should break your heart. No one, when he has lit his lamp, covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed, but sets it on the lampstand that those who enter may see it.
They see the light, Luke 8, 16. And yet so many do. They get that light and they don't shine. They walk in darkness. You know, it's interesting about walking in darkness ever since I was a little boy. I would walk in the dark. It was more of a challenge, an adventure. Can I walk? Can I get my eyes to see in the dark? I'd walk very slowly, kind of like the Indians, sneaking up on you. My wife will tell you, I walk very light on my feet until I turn around. I think I snuck up on her, but I hadn't. I was just walking. And now as an adult, I do it more out of habit than anything else. But not too long ago, got up in the morning, I've used turn the lights on, and I was walking, went to the bathroom, came back, and knew I had to get the coffee started, and I didn't realize that Mac, who was mostly dark, and you know, dark black and brown, had shifted, and he was in the middle of the room, totally in shadow, and I'm going towards my destination and doing my little Indian shuffle with my feet, and I slid my right foot right under him, got stuck. But I kept going. Well, you can imagine what it did to my right knee, and I hit the ground and uh, shook the house, double tell you. My knee was black and blue and all of that, and it, 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 <laughs> it bothered me for a while. It influenced things. My choice to walk in darkness. Well, guess what? Too many times as believers, we forget that we shouldn't spiritually walk around in the dark, that we should avoid the darkness, that light would be better to expose what we can't see, to expose what's found in the darkness so that we don't trip up. We need to manifest that light so that it can be perceived. But that's what that's what luminous, that's what light is. It's manifested energy, if you will, that can be perceived by the eye to, to offer understanding or, or sight, meaning, see, the word phos, the Greek word in light, P-H-O-S, phos, phosphorescent, that's where you get that from. It means inherent light whose function is to illuminate. That's us. Light exposes and reveals darkness. We are the inherent light of the gospel whose function is to illuminate, to give people spiritual eyes to see. And since Yeshua the Messiah dwells in us as believers, he is the original light, and he shines through us making us want the light of the world, his light. First Thessalonians 5, verses 5 through 8. For you are all children of the light and of the day. Who do We do not belong to darkness and night. So be on your guard, not asleep like the others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love and wearing our helmet as our helmet, the confidence of our salvation. Brothers and sisters, it's night, and it's our time to arise and shine for Yeshua to lead people out of the darkness. Lord, I come to you in your name the name above all names, I pray for us, me, all your children, that anything blocking the light, anything we've thrown over the lamp, anything that we have refused to let go of that hinders it in any way, please take it right now. Reveal it to us so that we can repent and let it go. Holy Spirit, you got the fire, burn it. Take it, cleanse us, sanctify us. And give us the confidence and the ability to share our hope simply and easily so that people can make a choice to choose light over darkness, to choose you over an eternity without you. Let this be the year that we arise and shine. And I pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. 
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord, may Adonai, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord, Adonai Yeshua HaMashiach, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grun. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.